invite you to be seated, dear friends. Oh, what a glorious morning of being in God's presence in worship. Do you agree? The last two songs that we've just sung are a beautiful example of this picture that you see on the screen. You see the infinity sign in the word legacy? The last song that we sung, I'm sure, took you back maybe generations to when you were a little child. The song just before that that celebrates what God's doing all around the world and what's represented by those flags is a look forward into what God is going to continue to do as churches like ours continue to reach. Imagine that you and I stand right in the middle of that infinity sign today, this week. And I'm urging you to spend the next seven days continuing to pray over this packet that you've had and asking God to speak to us, all of us. What is his role for us in this county in the next 40 or 50 years? What is his role for us in strategic places all around the world? Who of the children who are this morning in the Sunday school classes will someday stand before us and say, I'm going to a place where there isn't yet a flag on that wall? Do you begin to get an idea of the strategicness of what God's people are in our world by God's intention? Every two years, as you know, there is a gathering of the best athletes in the world in one place. They call it the Olympic Games. We just had it a few weeks ago. Maybe you heard an interview with the president of the IOC, the International Olympic Committee, as he was making a global statement and he said, by the way, this isn't just about sports. We're trying to prove to the, to the political leaders of the world that it is possible for people of all nations to come together and live in peace at least for two weeks in the Olympic Village. It is possible for people from everywhere around the world to compete aggressively with one another without killing each other, at least for two weeks. I understand that this Olympics was viewed by more people around the world than any previous Olympics, maybe even any previous event. Much of that was viewed on American television that was broadcast to the world. The sponsors in the United States of the Olympics understood that. And I believe, as I watch the Olympics, that some of them made their commercials for the purpose of not just selling their product, but making a social statement to the world about America. I don't often show you television commercials, but I'd like you to watch this one. You probably remember it. It has gone viral, and it has awakened quite a response around the world, if in fact this is truly a reflection of the people of America. Watch this. For this? For stuff? Other countries, they work, they stroll home, they stop by the cafe, they take August off. Off. Why aren't you like that? Why aren't we like that? Because we're crazy, driven, hard-working believers, that's why. Those other countries think we're nuts. Whatever. Were the Wright brothers insane? Bill Gates, Les Paul, Ali. Were we nuts when we pointed to the moon? That's right. We went up there, you know what we got? Bored. So we left, got a car up there, left the keys in it. Do you know why? Because we're the only ones going back up there, that's why. But I digress. It's pretty simple. You work hard, you create your own luck, and you gotta believe anything is possible. As for all the stuff, that's the upside of only taking two weeks off in August. Nespa? 
So what did we tell the world through that? Talk to me for a minute. Stuff. It's all about me. What else? Materialism. Pride. Arrogance. Selfishness. In response to that, our theme verse has said, the thief comes to steal and kill and destroy. But Jesus says, I've come that you might have life and have it to the full. Do you see what I wrote for you in the front of your worship folder this morning? Look at it. Popular opinion says, live large. Life is short. Isn't that what that commercial said? But Jesus says, I have come that you might have life and have it to the full. So what's the difference between them? Which is ultimately satisfying. Which makes a greater difference in our world. How am I living life? Think about that for a minute. The commercial or that picture? Which is where you want your heart to be? Which is the one that you hope reflects the legacy? Because remember, this picture tells us that each of us is leaving a legacy. Every footprint in the sand of the shoreline of your journey is building a legacy, remember? Are you building a legacy for God's glory? Or are you building a legacy for yourself? Are we accumulating the piles of stuff and puffing out your chest? It's all about me. Or are you making a difference in the world in which God has placed you? I wonder if you would agree that most of the pain of our world has its root in selfishness. Would you think about that for a minute? Most family pain is rooted in selfishness. Most business pain is rooted in selfishness. <laughs> Most of the wars are rooted in selfishness. Somebody wants more territory. Somebody wants to dominate somebody else. So what do you think about this little phrase? Generosity is the antidote to selfish bondage. Would you think about that a minute? Now, what is the ultimate expression in our world of generosity? I wonder if you would agree it's the cross. God says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son, the ultimate generous expression in God's enormous love for you and for me, sending his son so you and I could be forgiven and have life to the fullest. That's what communion is all about. Do you agree? Would you ponder that with me for a minute? In contrast to the commercial that we saw. There were two guys cleaning their boat, washing their nets. Professional fishermen. It had a long night. Guy walks up to them and says, Hey, fellas, come, follow me. I wonder what they did. The story in the Bible doesn't tell us, but he went on to say, come and follow me and, and I will make you fishers of men. Mark gives us a story. Mark chapter 1 in your Bibles, if you'd like to go there for a few minutes with me. Because I think I see there some wonderful truths about this statement. Generosity is the antidote to selfish bondage. Come, follow me.
Would you consider that God is saying the same thing this morning to you and me and every nation represented by those flags and every nation in the world, to every living human being, God is saying, come, come to me. Come and know how much I love you. Come and follow me and I'll change your life. I'll meet you at the point of your need. I'll give you a whole new perspective on life. But come means I can't stay where I am and experience the power of God in my life. Do you agree? Come means I have to leave where I am and I have to turn to God and step toward him. Come, follow me means God is a God in motion. God is doing significant things around our world. God is saying, come, follow me and be a part of what I'm doing. Come, follow me and I will make you. You might want to jot down the word change under that in your notes. Because you see, God is saying, I made you, I, I love you. If you trusted Jesus Christ to be your Savior, you're a new creation in Christ, but there's so much more I'd like to do. Come follow me, and I'll continue reshaping you into the man or the woman that I have designed you to be. Come follow me, and I'll make you fishers of men. A man or a woman who's actually attractive. You actually attract people to Jesus. That's our mission at Calvary, right? To, to draw and connect people to Jesus. So if you listen real carefully, I think you might hear the whisper, come, follow me. Come to me. Trust me. Follow me. I'll lead you through life. Yield yourself to me. Submit to me, and I'll reshape you. I'll take care of the stuff in your life that's getting in the way of you being who I designed you to be. I'll heal the brokenness. I'll do a work in you you can't do in yourself and nobody else can do. And then I'll make you a fisher of men. <laughs> so they did. You see what I wrote in my notes? Why does the battle of my selfishness and God's invitation rage in my heart what do you think about that well could it be control <laughs> if I come and follow him I'm gonna have to yield control of my life to him and I'm not so sure I'm ready to do that <laughs> what's another one help me why does it why does that battle rage in us we, we hear the invitation of God we want to do it but why insecure doubt how about fear? What might he do in my life? What might he ask of me? <laughs> I'm not sure I want to go to any of those places. <laughs> At least not for more than a day. Huh? You see, it begs the question. Do you think you can trust me? I made you. I know you. I love you. You don't have to be afraid. Come, follow me. I'll work in your life. I'll make you a fisher of men. How is Jesus reshaping you if you've trusted him, if you're following him? How should it affect your world? How should it affect Walworth County that there's this building here with almost a thousand of us that comes together regularly and many times through the week? And we get fired up here as we learn, as we worship, as we rub against each other. And then we go out there and we live our lives and we do our businesses and we attend our schools. How should that affect our county? Huh? Ought to make a difference, don't you think? So, you see, Mark tells us, 
Verse 21, they walked down, down the beach with Jesus. Oh, Jesus called two other brothers, James and John. So now there's four of them following him. And they went to Capernaum. If, if you've been there, if you visited Israel, uh, the, the ruins of Capernaum are still there. You can walk in that same town where they did. Part of why I love this story, it fits right here. Sea of Galilee, Geneva Lake. Three towns, Capernaum, Tiberias, Bethsaida. Three towns, Lake Geneva, Fontana, Williams Bay. Kind of works, doesn't it? <laughs> Follow me, I'll make you fishers of men. It says there, do you see it, that Mark tells us that they went to Capernaum. Why? That was the home of Peter and Andrew. They knew it well probably stayed in their house a day or two and on the Sabbath they went to the synagogue of course they're good Jews Jesus stood up and started to teach and it says there that he taught with authority it amazed the people you see he wasn't just telling stories he was saying this is what God says he was explaining God to them watch that if you and I decide yes yes God I'm going to respond to your invitation I'm gonna come Yes, I'm going to invite you to, to change me. Do your work in me. Help me become this fisher of men. The first thing he's going to do is he's going to say to you, understand that truth is essential. That's what was happening here. The four guys were learning that as Jesus stood up and spoke truth, it was like nobody had ever heard it before, and it caused a ruckus. A man stood up, it tells us, right in the middle of the worship service, and he pointed at Jesus and shouted at him. The man was demon-possessed, Mark tells us. Did you get that? When God's truth is proclaimed, there's a reaction. Because in our world, there's a darkness that is in, oppose, in opposition to truth. I, I wrote in your notes there for you, God's truth is authority truth. All other supposed truths and all other real truth have to line up with God's truth alternative truth I'm calling it is devil sponsored anything other than truth God's truth has behind it some influence of the devil do you agree with that why because in John chapter 8 Jesus himself said he's a liar and all that he speaks is lies distortions of truth so I asked myself a question and I wrote it down for you there where is alternative truth accepted or celebrated in my world think about that for a minute maybe jot down there in your notes a couple of examples where some distortion of God's truth is now accepted it's celebrated how about so when does life really begin hmm and it is, is, a, is a living, breathing, eating, growing baby inside of a mother's womb really a life or an inconvenience? Or how about, so what really is marriage? Did God define that or is it whatever I'd like it to be? Or how about, so when does an older person become an inconvenience and we just choose to unplug all the machines or maybe don't feed them can you discern when God's truth is being distorted and it's being accepted and applauded by the society so that if you stand for God's truth you're being opposed anybody experiencing that 
your children in school you in the workplace the television programs you watch the, the media that is telling you what is politically acceptable and correct where is alternative truth accepted or celebrated in my world what damaging effect is it having what's the future what's my role in the truth war in my world can you ask yourself those questions where are the battlefields that you live on where truth is a battle what is our responsibility Calvary you and me what's our responsibility here in this building in the children's Sunday school classes in in the teen gatherings and what's our responsibility when we walk out of this building if we're going to be fishers of men there is no wavering on truth do you agree with that there cannot be any wavering on truth if you're a fisher of men <laughs> by the way have you thought about the difference between fishers of fish and fishers of men fishers of fish fish with deceit bait the hook so you can't see the hook until it's got you fishers of men fish with truth right fishers of fish fish to catch the fish and get them in the frying pan as quickly as possible is that right Ken <laughs> if they're still flapping when they're in the frying pan I mean that's really fresh <laughs> fishers of men fish for the purpose of rescuing from the bondage and setting them free you agree now we all celebrate fishers of fish for the good of Ken and Vicky's business amen <laughs> but we also celebrate fishers of men it tells us there in verse 29 as soon as they left the synagogue after this great showdown of truth and did you notice by the way Jesus rebuked the demon and cast it out of the man and set him free and they went with James and John to the home of Simon and Andrew and Mark tells us that Simon's mother-in-law was in bed with a fever by the way that's a little glimpse that it, we know that at least one of the disciples was married Jesus raised her up with just a word she waited on them and then do you see what it says that evening after sunset the people brought to Jesus all the sick and the demon possessed and Jesus healed many who had various diseases you know what I learned there if you're walking the journey with Jesus in followership in other words you're following him in relationship with him the power of God unleashed in his generous compassion through you to the world around you meets their needs Mike and Colleen Loomer are sitting back there you know that Honduras has a hold on their heart and a whole bunch of other folks at Calvary who love to go with you to Honduras why because the needs of the Honduran people have captured your heart amen and you're allowing God to flow through you and you're bringing the generosity of God's compassion in practical ways to the people of Honduras our Haiti team is coming back today 34 people who've been pouring out the generosity of Jesus to the people of Haiti our India team should be landing anytime soon now they left yesterday in India for a week among other things are going to be working among the girls caught up in the human trafficking industry you see what I wrote in your notes for you there needs there's no shortage of needs it's everywhere but do I see it and what is my heart and my head and my choice response 
to the needs that are everywhere. A dear man who often sits here usually in the 1030 service some years ago saw that there was families in Walworth County that didn't have clothes for the winter. And the idea came to Milt, what about a clothing outreach center, a place where we could bring our gently used clothes? Hundreds of people a week are being served. Still to this day, we now are downtown Williams Bay, as you know. Thank you, Calvary, for being a church that recognizes that God wants to pour his generosity of compassion through his people to a world in need. Need seeks remedy, doesn't it? Always. What are some of the most popular remedies in our world, especially our America? How about this one? Loneliness is a pretty serious need. And so many years ago, somebody came up with the idea, what if we have a place where people can gather and just sit and talk and we need to make some money, so let's see, what could help them talk more and enjoy being? How about alcohol? That'd be a great idea. Bars, saloons, taverns, the answer to the need of loneliness in America, right? Hmm. And we won't think about What's going to happen to their driving after they've been here for three or four hours at night? Or what's going to happen in relationships that start developing around the bar when people aren't thinking clearly anymore and temptation steps in and two single people who came leave together and a child is conceived in the middle of the night and they don't even know each other? Well, we won't think about that. We, we just want to help lonely people not feel so lonely. Need always seeks a remedy. But have you noticed that most of the man-made remedies are worse than the disease? I've come that you might have life, never to the fullest. And when you experience the full life that Jesus makes possible for you, then you become an answer to the problems. And the compassion that God is pouring out through you, you recognize the lonely people around you. And they're not an inconvenience to you when your phone rings at night or they knock on your door. Did you notice that Jesus didn't say, send them away, I'm tired. He worked till late in the night healing and caring for the people. So how's your compassion quotient? If you're a follower of Jesus, you'll become really compassionate for the needs of the people around you. Am I right? Early the next morning, Mark tells us, very early, verse 35, Jesus went out before it was daylight to talk to the Father, prayer. God is generous in his availability to you and to me anytime, day or night, from any place on the face of this planet, in any language known to man. God is ready to hear your cry. Amen? He's ready to hear your prayer. He's ready to respond. You don't need an appointment. You don't have to pay for it. Jesus already did. And the throne room door of heaven is open to you. So why was Jesus going out early in the morning to meet with the Father? For the very same reason that we've been spending these days praying over these packets. What about the future, God? What's the next step, Father? And Mark tells us that Peter came out at first light. Jesus, we've been looking all over for you. What are you doing out here in the middle of no place? The whole town has gathered. They heard what you did last night, and there's a lot more sick people, a lot more demon-possessed people. Come on, we got work to do. That's why he was out early in the morning. Have you noticed that there are two voices that if you're not really careful, 
can get you off the path. The first voice is the clamoring cry, help me, or here's my opinion of what you ought to do. And if you're at all a people pleaser, that voice grabs you. The other voice is applause. You're the best answer to our world's problems since Jesus was here. The applause or the invitations, the demands of people can very easily get you off the path. Am I right? Jesus was out early that morning to make sure that he stayed on the path with the Father. What's the mission? What's my purpose? What do you want me to accomplish today, God? So what time is your best time when you meet with Jesus? To find out what's the plan for today. Where does the path go today? What about the building, God? What do you want us to do? I wrote in your notes, six years from today is going to be 2020. Who will I be? Where will I be? What will my legacy be? What will God have included me in or accomplished through me? How much depends on my heart and my followership of Jesus? And what's holding me back? Could I invite you to wrestle with those questions this week? As you think about your time with Jesus every morning, asking him, what's the plan for today, for next year, for the next six years? And then do you see Mark tells us there's one more thing that happened. In verse 40, a man with leprosy came to him and begged him on his knees, if you're willing, you can make me clean. You know that in those days, leprosy or any of those contagious skin diseases, people were required to stay far away from everybody else. Sometimes they would actually carry a bell and ring it just in case you can't see from where you are. Don't come close to me. You might catch what I've got. They couldn't live at home with their families. They were unemployable. They couldn't work in the public place. They would live outside the towns. And the last thing that a person would want is a leper to come close to him. This man came very close with an incredible question. Are you willing to help me? May I ask you, when is the last time you said, God, you know the situation I'm in. Are you willing to help me? You know my health need? You know my financial need? You know my relationship situation? You know the pain? Are you willing to help me? Does anybody know any example in the Bible where God said, no, I don't have time for you. I don't care about you. Psalm 66 tells us that if we have cherished sin in our heart, God will not respond to our prayer. But otherwise, I can assure you that the ears of God and the heart of God is open to you anytime. And that's great news. You can bring that to any person in our world. God is so generous that he's ready to hear your cry at any time and respond. And he's always willing. If you're willing, you can make me clean. And Jesus' response, do you see Mark says there? I'm willing. And Jesus actually did the unthinkable. He touched him. He touched him. And it was instantly clean. Sometimes I pray, why don't you touch us, God, right at the point of our need? And I invite you to do the same. So as we prepare to come to the table of communion, I want you to think, when is the last time you invited God to touch you? 
happy to tell you that you and I are the bearers of wonderful news as fishers of men. The generosity of God is ready to pour out to you by touching you. And it could be that he would like to touch somebody through you. You're the touch of God in that person's life as you hold the children and wash their hair in Honduras. As you go to the people in Haiti and you bring them eyeglasses like Dr. Ken Morrison did this last week. Or as you go to work tomorrow morning. Or you send your kids to school tomorrow. You're the touch of Jesus in that place. Mark tells us that Jesus said to the man, now don't tell anybody what I did. He didn't pay any attention. He told everybody. And pretty soon the crowds were coming. And do you see what Mark says there? He says, as a result, Jesus could no longer enter a town openly, but he stayed outside in lonely places. It has struck me deeply. And I've written for you a question in your notes right at the bottom there. Do you see it? What could possibly cause this in my world? Am I contributing to keeping people away from Jesus in some way, in any way? Am I doing anything that is keeping Jesus distant from people or people distant from Jesus? And then one last thought just this morning occurred to me. What might it be like if God was to say to you and to me this morning, I'm always willing. The question is, are you willing? You and me. Are you willing to come and follow me and let me change you to become a fisher of men? Are you willing to let me use Calvary Community Church, the building, the property, for the next 50 years to be a lighthouse of hope and truth, healing and power in this community? Are you willing to live sacrificially so we can keep sending the missionaries to the far-flung places, keep reaching into the next generation? 50 years ago, Evidently, Jesus asked the people of Calvary Community Church, are you willing to move from downtown Williams Bay in that little church that you love so much out to the frontier on the corner of Highway 50? <laughs> are you willing to live sacrificially to build a bigger building to receive the people? They said yes. And you and I are sitting in that building. Praise God. He's asking us, are you willing? Are you willing to be a part of what I want to do in the next 50 years here and around the world? He's asking you personally, are you willing to be a fisher of men in your family, in your workplace, in your network of friends? You need to know truth. You need to be compassionate. You need to meet with me often so that I can tell you where the path is, where we're going. You need to be ready to be my touch to the needs of the world all around you are you willing Lord Jesus we answer the question as we walk to the table of communion this morning it seems to me Jesus that you went into the garden the night before you went to the cross and you and the father had quite a conversation the father was asking you, son, are you willing to go all the way through with this? And you were saying, father, is there any other way? But then, Lord Jesus, you said, not my will, but yours be done, father, I'm willing. 
Why don't you talk to the Lord Jesus right now, friends, for the next couple minutes? As you and I prepare our hearts to come to the table of communion. Come, he says. Come and follow me. And I'll make you fishers of men. asking the question are you willing are you willing to recognize that generosity is the antidote to the selfishness that is killing us the generosity of us bringing God's truth to a confused world the generosity of you and me bringing the compassion of God to a broken hurting world generosity of letting the people of the world know that the throne room door is always open and God is always ready to hear their prayer. The generosity of being the touch of Jesus in our world. Yes, Lord Jesus, look closely into our hearts. Are we willing? Are we willing to live sacrificially? Are we willing to tighten the belt? Are we willing to live simply so others can simply live. We come to the table of communion in your honor. I invite us to remain in an attitude of prayer and worship as we come. Come when you're ready, friend. Take the cup and the bread. Return back to your seats and we'll take it together.